In this episode, I share a conversation with my friend Maxi, a very special human being. I'm super grateful for his appearance in my life. We share a rare bond that allows us to, in his words, play, talk adult, and tune into the whole spectrum together. We met at Love Festival, a celebration of love for self, community, and the planet. He gifted me a red jasper stone, an ancient gem believed to be bestowed with the power to bring strength, protection, and nurturance, a valuable resource through this time of challenge, change, and transitions, both globally and personally, as I forge a new existence as a nomad and explore the space of podcasting mid-pandemic. We shared a hug that grew into an organic men's circle and carried this energy into a men's retreat in the mountains. A surfer, DJ, producer, soon-to-be father, and full-time mad dog, I feel this will be the first of many conversations I share with Maxi. The song I'm going to play you in with is one of his creations, and it's called DE9, which is available on SoundCloud through his artist name, Viber C V I B A S E, and there'll be a link in the notes. Big love, peace out.
have you um, have you ever had a conversation that's recorded before? No. This is my <laughs> first ever recorded conversation on the line. <laughs> yeah, it was like the the one that I had with Josh was the first one and that was just really spontaneous. Like he just jumped into the van, we just started talking. But Dan and I last night have been talking about this and thinking about it a lot. So for the first half an hour, 40 minutes of us talking, it was this sort of like meta conversation of like reflecting on the experience of having a conversation that's being recorded <laughs> and being curious about how that changes, how we feel and how we interact. Um, so that's like a space that I'm really curious to explore. Um, I've intentionally not been thinking about it just to like step into this moment right now, the way that we are now, it's like, cool, let it go. Yeah. yeah. I know the feeling about recording things, it's very similar with like DJing and making music. Like it can be very easy to, to do things or do certain mixes, but then once the record button has been hit, can't really recreate those things that I had done before and it's like this mm. extra layer of pressure and yeah I find myself scrutinizing myself a lot more yeah yeah that's interesting I feel like it's a skill to enter into a flow state whilst there's that added awareness or pressure of knowing that there might be an audience or sort of it's it's easy for my mind to sort of like you know for this like runaway process to happen where I start thinking about consequences of what I say and analyzing and judging and evaluating what's happening um, rather than sort of entering into a flow like interaction um, but I feel like that's a really valuable skill like a big part of what's motivating me to do this is is just my belief in the intrinsic value of cultivating that skill to enter into a flow state regardless of the circumstances because there's so much stuff that triggers anxiety in life so much stuff that takes our attention away from what provides a really enriching and nourishing interaction Absolutely. and that's what i want to like that's what i want to really cultivate and the whole recording part of it is is almost like a way to kind of add challenge to that it's almost like going for a walk with a like weighted backpack on or something to like to like like continue pro progressing and developing that skill set when you come into it are you feeling like you don't want to maybe stutter or you like you know to stop yourself from or you're kind of thinking about the listener experience in a way and like how you might want it to sound in a certain way and that's causing you to be a bit more anxious like in case you were to stutter or loop around one idea for a bit too long as you're trying to think about it rather than just make it this really nice streamlined package for you who are listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it's, it's very difficult to not, at, at least like talking to my talking by myself into the phone i noticed a progression the first few the first few times i did that having made the commitment to to publish those episodes that i wasn't going to just sit with them and ruminate um that i was going to record it and post it um it was really anxiety provoking but i quickly i think developed a tolerance for that or found a way to to just access like a fluid way of speaking. Mm. Um, 
I'm noticing that happening already, like in the third conversation. I liken it to meditation because it's like my mind drifts to that sort of self-conscious, like observer perspective, um, space that distracts and takes away from, um, from just like an authentic connection. Um, and yeah, that being aware of that is valuable, I guess, but I'm not wanting to let that, um, I'm not wanting to let that kind of bias or, or muddy or color the interaction. I feel like it, if that becomes a primary agenda, then something is lost. Like something qualitatively is lost in the nature of the interaction that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you're not, no longer just focused on the person in front of you. Yeah. You're thinking about whoever's listening right now and yeah. how they're perceiving it rather than being, yeah, just in the flow in the moment. Exactly, it's yeah. Very similar to like rock climbing when yep. you're up on the wall, like it's such a, um, such a collapsed moment where you're just so in the now because you're so focused on the moves that you're doing, but you, you still have so many opportunities to be taken away by your mind um, and allow fear to come in. And as soon as you allow yourself to think, then you're no longer in the flow and, and you've, you can stumble, that's when you can fall mm. um, because you might just start worrying about like this fall behind you, um, underneath you. But yeah, it's really interesting when you can just like pull yourself back to your breath and keep focusing and, and it changes the experience completely. You can manage your whole climb by just staying in the now. Yeah. And not worrying. So. Yeah. There's nothing like real physical danger to, to thrust us into a state of present focused mm. awareness. And there's still, there is kind of like a perceived threat or danger with this mm. because it's once it gets posted, I have no control over what happens to it. Mm. There's a possible risk or threat to my integrity or reputation that I'm conscious of. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's a skill that I'm developing and that I want to develop in learning how to be with that and still function despite that risk. And it almost like allow that risk to, um, to kind of I, I, I wonder, I'm curious whether that, that kind of facilitates or enhances the possibility or, or in, enhances the quality of an interaction mm. because it increases the stakes. I think like there's a, I, I think there's a general trend in which risk, in which sort of like certain types of risk can increase the quality of experiences mm. and, and lead to a richer, uh, more exciting and interesting and, mm. and sort of meaningful existence mm, well I think that um, along those lines being vulnerable in interactions is a very um, something that's very akin to that mentality I suppose because mm. you're sharing a deeper side of yourself that not any not many other people might know and therefore risking like yourself in front of that person because they might not um, accept you for that or yeah, anything along those lines of reactions and responses but then yeah. doing that um, what I've noticed is it just allows people to lower their barriers and then you do have this richer connection with them because you've just opened yourself up and then it's, it'll, it's allowing for the other person to, mm. to feel more comfortable in your space because they know that 
you feel okay to be vulnerable in their space and therefore they might assume but never assume <laughs> I'm trying to work on on, um, on my language a little bit and assuming is one that I'm trying to maneuver my way around and also the mentality that comes with it mm -hmm. never assume because it makes an ass of you and me <laughs> mm. I love it yeah. how are you countering that the habit of of sort of um, having assumptions and expectations because we kind of like it's built into our organism to like I think of an assumption as kind of like a judgment mm. so many judgments are implicit and automatic mm. um, yeah how do you how do you how do you respond to like noticing that an assumption is present and mm. coloring how you're interacting or what you're doing <laughs> still new so I think the main thing is communication and as soon as I might realize that I am assuming something um, the best response for, that I found is to just ask it and to check in and to make mm. sure that that I'm not assuming a lot of the times my language at the moment is in a projected way so I'm when I when I do what I've noticed myself talking about uh, myself like making an assumption like when I notice myself making an assumption, it's generally about a scene in the future where I'm saying like, um, well, for for a festival, like the recent one was we're talking about a festival that we're organizing and um, some sort of situation came up and I was talking about how we might maneuver it. Um, and then I did just catch myself saying that, um, you know, we'll just assume that they'll already be aware of that. And then I was like, okay, no, I can't actually. I caught myself straight. I was like, no, we can't take that back. Like, can't assume that um, so in those cases we've taken an extra step by educating people in those moments so we'll have mm -hmm. media that will teach people um, about what we're setting in place boundaries or principles um, but even then arriving at the site we can't assume that they've read those so then mm. we have another check-in point where people come in and then it's like they either sign a form that sort of got the principles so that they can read it again or we have a conversation about people with it. So that's one that's one way of it that I'm working through in my life. And yeah, externally to that, I think just yeah, communication, absolutely. Mm. It's been working through that with my partner as well. I know that in, in it's a big, I think assumptions are very great in that judgmental state in relation with, with the other gender mm. or with a sexual partner. It doesn't have to be the other gender. Um, you know, when there might be a, whoever's more dominant in the situation moving forwards can assume that someone is receiving them, but they won't know until they actually like ask them and, and check in with them. And that's how I've moved quite deeply with my, my partner mm -hmm. very quickly because, um, we had some interactions at the very beginning of our relationship before we were in a partnership, but just as we were getting to know each other where, um, yeah, I'd become quite aroused by a situation that we went through and had an erection and we hugged and I didn't, to, in order for her not to have any thoughts about it, I just told her, I was like, look, I'm aroused by what has happened, um, kind of thing, yeah, straight up. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and that clears it so that she can't, she can't then be thinking about what that might mean and mm. be assuming where I'm at. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think being clear about how anyone is feeling in any moment 
allows you to ensure that no one else is assuming how you're feeling because I guess we can take responsibility for other people's assumptions in that way as well. Mm, yeah, oh, so much that comes up hearing you describe that, like the differences between men and women are, are massive and so I think that's particularly important, like clarity and openness is particularly important in, in um, like heterosexual relationships. Um, it also reminds me of the, this kind of idea that the things we aren't aware of hurt us the most. It's the stuff that exists in the unconscious and unvoiced assumptions kind of fall in that category of things that are outside of our awareness. Like a lot of assumptions and expectations are kind of implicit. Um, and at the same time, they have a big impact on driving behavior. And I feel like it's those things that we're not aware of that can kind of do a lot of damage or become sort of really insidious in, in sort of shaping, affecting um, our lives. And there's this, I can't remember where I heard this, but I think it, it, it has something to do with like, I feel like it's a shamanic saying or something like that. Like, when you name an emotion, it takes its power away. And it, I, I think it like speaks to the context in which there's sort of implicit or unconscious emotions or drives that are, that have this like destructive energy um, that exists outside of our awareness. So like that skill that you're describing reminds me of the practice of bring of sort of expanding our awareness and, and bringing more into our consciousness mm. and can often I, before that's we move forwards mm. on, that, um, on that saying is that can you repeat that for me when we name an emotion it takes its power away yeah so is that like it is for an example so i can see if i understand it mm -hmm. it's like if i am triggered by something and i'm now angry mm. if i if i let let it be known that i'm angry is that sort of taking its power away a little bit because um, I've I've instated it for myself and also now everyone else and so this emotion like yeah is that sure that yeah that 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 might that might be an example way in which it's used anger's a tricky one because that triggers a lot of people's stuff mm. I think that in my experience there aren't many people who can hear an admission of anger mm sort of cleanly without like, <laughs> or like so, irritated maybe or something. Yeah. But I think the, the way that it was intended is mm. the naming can be internal mm. as well. Oh, naming it in mm. ourselves. And there's like a meditation practice in which, um, we just sort of notice a thought or notice an emotion and name it. And it's a silent sort of internal process. Mm. I think that's, you know, I, I think that's, that's like the invitation is to start there is to start inwardly and identifying and acknowledging what we're experiencing inwardly what we choose to express or communicate outwardly is um you know can become more complex and nuanced as well because we, we're needing to kind of match that communication with what we sense the other person's able to hear or connect with and even that is an assumption in a way, right? It's like Absolutely. Assuming There's a lot of the person is perceiving me in the way that I'm intending hmm. for them. 
that's an art. It's <laughs> an art to do that well. Yeah. yeah. It's not like you can't just like check in every time. Like, do you understand what I mean? But then even yeah. then, like, how do you know? Like, if someone says yes, like. Yeah. <laughs> if relationships and communication is so complex because we often Absolutely. don't say what we mean. We're often not saying what we mean, and we and we often don't mean what we say as mm. well. And and then people hear what they want. I'm, I'm constantly mm. amazed by what people take away from therapy sessions. I have my ideas and assumptions about what is useful or what it is that is bringing people back to 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 therapy. But often their accounts wildly deviant from. <laughs> And like this is like a reoccurring theme in the um, like conversations I have with my colleagues. That we have like regular, um, like reflective practice with our group and a larger group as well. But this this is like a reoccurring question: is what is it about that? Like, what's bringing this person back? Because some some of the clients, you know, we're engaging in like capital T therapy where we're doing deep work, and it's clearly the 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 benefits are very readily observable. Then there's a lot of like lowercase t therapy that happens where we're just talking and we're not really sure what's happening. There aren't really consistent themes or things coming out. We're like scratching our heads trying to figure out what it is that's bringing this person back. Like why are they doing this? And it can be things really surprised. Just like having someone to talk to or having someone to listen. Um, I think it's very easy to underestimate like the power or potency of, of that. Mm. I mean that like circling back to how we got here, it's like it, it off, it's a great way to sort of challenge our assumptions about what we think is going on in other people's minds. Ultimately, we don't know. Mm. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try. It's kind of like when the Buddha had his awakening. He's like, oh my God, this is an incredible practice. At the same time, I don't think that this is anything that I could possibly teach anyone, mm. and yet I'm still going to try. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting with the even with the therapy talk about just the idea of like healing people in different many different modalities. It's, you can be the facilitator um, and you know be holding the space, but at the end of the day, everyone's going to have their own experience from it. And mm. and it's not necessarily you that's doing the healing, but people are receiving from the space the healing that they need, depending on where they are yeah. in their journey. Yeah, I see my job as sort of one of holding space or creating a container, but I'm not teaching anything. I'm not the one who's making the change. Mm. I believe that nobody teaches anyone anything, that we only learn things for ourselves. Mm. Wow. So I try and create a space that's like, conducive of learning mm. um, yeah a book that i'm reading or listening to the audiobook called the music lesson i think even mm. on the weekend together you brought up a couple things that have been exactly in line with the teachings of this book and one mm. of the main things the guy states at the very start because it's a, it's a conversation the book um that he, this guy meets this other like he's a musician and then there's like this extra special musician who's super connected with everything just appears in his house um, and then they start having a conversation and he's like, I'm here to, um, I'm a teacher, but I'm not here to teach you. Um, mm -hmm. and he's like, you can ask me anything I can teach you. Uh, I, like, I'm a, like, I know everything, but, um, I can't teach you anything only, and I can show you and you can teach yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No teacher can teach us anything. No healer yeah. can heal anything for us unless we ourselves do the work for it. Yeah. 
That's yeah, amazing. I love that. I love that. And even if we could, I don't know if we'd want to. It's like that idea of like give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man how to fish, he you know he eats. Mm. He and his family, you know, eat for the rest of their lives. Um, kind of giving people answers disempowers them. Just telling people what to do is robbing them, denying them of the opportunity to figure things out for themselves. And it's, it's not the thing. I, I don't think it's the thing that's valuable. It's the it's sort of learning how to learn that's really important. There's, I think there's a there's a skill set that's that. Um, that lends itself to learning, that that, that facilitates learning. Mm. Um, Absolutely, yeah. A way of thinking, like not assuming mm. or, or questioning, interrogating our own assumptions and expectations. Mm. That's that's I, I, that reminds me of like the growth mindset. This this sort of like mindset that's um, that, that like places us in a position where we're much more receptive and able to learn and take on information as opposed to like the fixed mindset where we assume that everything is known we either get the you know we, have, we get the information right or wrong whereas in the growth mindset it's like I haven't learnt that yet it's not like I didn't get the answer wrong you can't fail from a growth mindset it's just you haven't figured it out yet <laughs> so I love that yeah like a commitment to lifelong learning and growth I think that's what that's what draws me to you that's what like I enjoy about interacting with you and I experience with you this sort of like openness to change and growth and learning and um, yeah that invites me into a space of like receptivity and openness because I value that a lot and try and cultivate that that attitude yeah I see that in you a lot even mm. from like straight away when we met I had a lot of respect for you mm. I didn't even know you but just a you know, beautiful energy resembling a similarity in the in the way that I'm moving through my life I suppose yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I I love that interaction that we had like the right at the end of the festival at the end of the <laughs> festival <laughs> started a massive men's group hug just through our hug yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I was curious like what um yeah, what inspired you to gift the the stone to me? Like, that's such a that was such a like spontaneous, organic, like surprising thing. I was sort of taken aback by that invitation to, to like receive. Yeah, you something took a like, moment. Do I want to receive something like, from this person? I'm not know. sure. I don't know. And uh, then like, I I quickly felt into the spirit in which you're offering that and just like yeah released and open to a beautiful red jasper stone that like has so much significance and i have it Amazing. up there in the ground there's a lot of power and like and change that can occur for me even telling you because now you have this like this meaning that you've created to it and i can completely detach and just be like oh, it's, a, it's just it was just something magical mm. and then tell you which I will <laughs> but yeah it's interesting like it's um, someone was talking about it on the weekend where when you could see someone and they could look so majestic and amazing and they're just standing there I think we were in reference to Josh's shirt it was this super psychedelic deer with like these fluorescent colors and, yeah I don't know if you saw it but was he wearing that on the, most of the weekend yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that yeah. yeah 
and we were like, there's such a Zen um, face, but what would he say? You know, and then we started making funny voices, like he'd just be this hillbilly, psyched out deer, <laughs> essentially, and would completely lose all potency. Like there's nothing that he could say that would match the like his look. You know, mm. or there probably there might be a certain never say never, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It's pretty funny, but um, yeah, I I've had this bag of crystals for this whole year now, since the start of the year, um, and I've been taking them with me to to events and. Not every time do they come out. Um, just when I have had a good connection with the space and the people, they come out at the end, sometimes at the start as well, once in the start. Um, and yeah, I like to um, just be the, the giver of a gift that holds. And to, the, the intention that I've infused in it, um, which I shared with you, was like the ability to sort of have a physical memory um, something to trigger you back into the space because mm. it, it was such a beautiful weekend away um, but then also just the I'm not choosing anything for you essentially I have this bag of beautiful rocks and then and crystals and the way that I was doing it with you I only had um, a pocket full and so I was I would allow one to drop out and that would be the one for you so it was mm. it was a complete it was like a nice mixture of a gift from myself but also attempting to channel the universe and helping you on, on your journey and mm. it did in a way because it was that red jasper and didn't even know that that I was holding that you know mm. it came through for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes very synchronous yeah 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 um and um, yeah, not not a lot of people got them at the end either because it was mm. only really had a few, um, and it was just those whoever was coming through at that time. So you just happened to walk through, um, and I was like, mm. ah, a beautiful soul who's here on this weekend who I've journeyed with. Mm -hmm. um, would you like a gift? It was very intuitive and just sort of like felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful. Mm, cool. Yeah, like the significance of Love Fest was something that I wasn't conscious of going into it. Mm. Um, but you had you you were like involved in the in the conception of it, the mm. organisation of it. Mm. Not uh, necessarily the conception. Love Fest has been. I think this is about the seventh Love Fest uh, or seventh or eighth. Um, I've been involved with the last two events, which have been the first camping weekends. Mm -hmm. So Joe's the the initial conception, the um, initiator of it, founder, the founder, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and and I've been connected with him for uh, around a year now, because mm -hmm. um, I did Vioma a year ago, and he heard about that through Jasper, who also runs um, sober events in Sydney, mm -hmm. night parties, mm -hmm. um, at in side locations, and generally love fests have been a day thing with the intention of being drug and alcohol free and a community event. Um, and then, yeah, Joe, Joe wished for me to be part of his team with him. And um, for this one that came particularly, I was heavily involved in the um, strategy of how to make it a completely substance free weekend. Mm. That was one of my biggest additions, I think, plus helping with the sound and the structure, like the scheduling. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was a little bit freer on the weekend in the event compared to last time when I was pretty much managing the stage for the whole event last time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it was a lot, a lot of work last time and I think I'm going to step up a bit more again to be a bit more involved with it to hmm. potentially see a, a bigger outcome for myself through through holding on to this and helping build this project for him. Yeah, cool. And sort of linking back to that 
like practice of managing people's assumptions rather than just assuming we're on the same page mm -hmm. as other people that's what motivated you to make the video explaining or educating the like educating people about the the value or the significance of substance free mm. did you say i didn't admittedly <laughs> That's alright. Yeah, it wasn't but assuming I've heard that everyone saw it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was probably like my first like recorded thing. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of volunteers didn't look at it either, which is pretty funny. It's like, uh, we need, we should, people should see these things, but... I, I mean, to me, I didn't need any buy-in mm. because I've had a whole journey around substances mm. and had like a long period of abstinence in my own life. So I'm drawn to substance-free events mm. in my experience that enhances the quality of connection that's possible it's yeah, not it's like um, colored by a hue of like numbness or disconnection or mm. I mean, at, at the same time i think altered states of consciousness can be really powerful and valuable when Absolutely. done in a sort of intentional way with ritual built around it and yep. meaning but yep. that that's not the way in which substances are used most of the time in our culture in my experience yeah especially not on camping weekends when there's music involved yeah, yeah. exactly yeah so yeah what was i mean like i just assumed that that was part of it or at least that was sufficient motivation for me i mm. didn't need any more like mm. motivation to to align with that yeah i suppose um, it, it's, it can even be enough it? to see it and be like oh that's cool that like there is an extra thing to it and from for your journey yeah, you didn't need to see it because mm. it was more for educating the people that aren't yet on that journey of wanting a completely substance-free weekend for themselves um, or or to join in on that. Because previously, in our assumptions, we have just put up like a drug and alcohol-free event. Um, and we've changed the wording a little bit to be like drug and uh, no, alcohol and illegal substance-free. That was mm. sort of an attempt at the last one and the 1010. Um, to encompass substances um, that other people might con like, like say cannabis isn't illegal everywhere in the world, mm. and so it's a bit controversial in a way. Like it is in Australia, but um, yeah, it's not just saying we're not using the word drugs anymore because there mm. are a lot of legal drugs and there's a lot of um, lack of education on what a drug is. I guess and, mm. and I'm still on a journey about like trying to really. Uh, understand the um, definition of a of a drug, and we had a conversation in the event as well about substance uses, and you know we brought up um, coffee and cigarettes and mm. sugar and all these like highly addictive, very stimulating um, substances, um, and even cacao. Um, but it's yeah, so that's why the drug word got taken out, and then we used. Um, illegal substances because that was the container that we wanted to create and then obviously we assumed um, that that would be enough mm -hmm. but then at the 1010 weekend there was um, a bit of substance around like could have been like 30% to, of people perhaps more on one of the nights had all eaten like these space cakes uh, and there were brownies there and um, uh, some people uh, were smoking as well and um, mm. even some psychedelics were taken and I was confronted by that like personally like mm -hmm. there was someone that said that they had done something or I was even offered some um, like a joint and I didn't feel empowered to bring it up with them that it was mm -hmm. a substance free weekend 
and even some of the crew had taken substances. And at the end of the event, while we were still on the site, it got brought up and with the crew. And I had a, a nice like moment where I was really able to just express myself about how I felt about the fact that they'd done that with um, Joe in the space and then really just like acknowledging that it, that it was a big boundary that was crossed, um, but it wasn't stated enough, it wasn't known mm. enough. And, and as soon as I had this conversation with the, the sister that was on the crew with us, um, she understood it straight away. She's like, mm. I get it. Because a lot of people have, everyone has a different interpretation and experience and reaction based on, on those words, drug and alcohol free. Some people yeah. might perceive that as like, um, don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not what we're saying. I'm on a similar journey with what you were saying before about psychedelics and, and a lot of other substances have a lot of medicine to them when used in the right set and setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and with ritual is so powerful and so mm-hmm. potent. Um, and then, yeah, other people might not realize how much it affects the other people around them. And so in that video, I, I did talk a little bit about um, the potency of journeying together um, and being on this clear platform that we can all like raise up together on. And when people do take substances at varying intervals, it shifts that journey quite a lot. And the whole energy of the place will get affected and, and everyone will get affected. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, it is my intention to watch that video at some point. Yeah. 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 Well, that was also like my first time recording a video that I or posting a video that I recorded because mm. I have been I liked it it was nice a similar journey of like having to get a bit more comfortable and I made a video that was like 10 minutes long and I shared it with Joe I was like what do you reckon and that was that encompassed everything I wanted to say yeah and that was that was pretty tight and I thought it was a nice video but then Joe was like oh like people aren't gonna want to watch a 10 minute video <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh fire up but like I don't know how I can compress that because uh-huh. I really touched on more things in that video than I did in in mine and and maybe I may share that actually on the page even just mm. to to keep people in that influence but in the past I've recorded a video because I thought I might like to share some my journey or like my technique of meditation yeah but I never posted it because I don't know just didn't resonate at the time didn't find the the moment and perhaps I can record it again if I do ever feel the call to do that again mm. um, but yeah I felt a bit of like uh, um, what would you call it? Like, like I haven't done courses in it and I'm not being trained to train, mm. um, feeling a lot of responsibility in sharing information like that mm. and how, how much more beneficial perhaps meditation might be if learned like in a step way. I mm-hmm. And I, I kind of did set it up in a way that it was more of like the very first video and I might like to do more later, but yeah, it just didn't feel that, um. I don't know what the word is, but like, yeah, Re- entitlement to share. Okay. I guess I don't know. Yeah, didn't feel drawn to, or like it was your responsibility. Yeah, I just or... felt like I might get judged for it. <laughs> That's interesting. This kind of relates to what we we're talking about initially, and how we can do something for the listener, or we can do something for ourselves, and mm. sometimes those two motives are at odds sometimes that can create a tension and take away from 
like providing a, a, a more realistic and accurate and nuanced and the topic of drugs is incredibly nuanced and complex so many layers to it um, so yeah I can see why wanting to wanting to have a longer video to kind of do that topic justice mm. is valuable and at the same time if there's a an intention for that to be received in a certain way or if it's done for an audience and that changes the way in which you would want to do that. The question I'm asking in the context of this podcast, like how can those two things exist together? How can they sort of be complementary? And that's sort of like the motive for um, for making this an experience that's valuable for people who are listening, but also but also preserving something organic and fluid and dynamic about um, just like you know an interaction like an, an unscripted a genderless interaction mm. the name of the, the, the name I've chosen for the podcast is free range minds mm. so I want to like keep the interactions in the spirit of this sort of like really organic flowy kind of unscripted mm. genderless um, yeah dancing of mm. minds and souls mm. <laughs> I like that uh I think um, that as we come from our hearts in these conversations um, and and are able to to share ourselves vulnerably mm. um, and that when when we when we do talk in this flow state, I suppose it's a sensible, it's like sensible thing. It's interesting that there's... Sensible, yeah. Like Able can, to be sensed. Yeah. yeah. That, that people can hear the message, that people they receive can, it. Yeah, yeah, and they can sense that we're having an authentic, agendaless um, conversation. And yeah. the things that have come up aren't um, scripted. There was no uh, intention for anything to be spoken besides, like, you know, to follow the, the flow that we have initiated by yeah. pressing the record button. And perhaps people are able to take things... Um, from it when we share our concepts with each other when we share our ideas in this beautiful way um, and people will hear things that they may or may not have heard before and then that plants seeds I mm -hmm. suppose um, for people to think about it more or not but um, we digest everything that we sense mm. in, in, on, every, on every sense and so it will move into the subconscious um, and come up later or, or not and people will receive the medicine from this depending on what stage they're in yeah, yeah. there's a saying like people people don't remember what you say but they remember how you made them feel mm. and there's something there's something that emerges from an unscripted and unplanned and a genderless like equal conversation that I'm really drawn to when I've heard other podcasts where there's a like a really deep connection between the two people talking mm. they're the conversations that I've enjoyed the most and it kind of doesn't really matter what they say mm. the content <laughs> is far less important than the the kind of vicarious pleasure I get from witnessing a, a, a sort of quality interaction and mm. that's kind of what I want to replicate I want to I want to kind of like share rich and meaningful and deep interactions mm. 
um, both with myself, both internally and also conversations with other people. Mm. Speaking with myself isn't something that I've done much of, but I'd like to do more, mm. and I can really imagine the the benefit that that has because when you express yourself rather than just thinking it. Adds, it just changes it all because you can Very kind of think yeah. anything but when you say it you hear it and then you're like oh like that didn't make sense and then yeah. I, I receive so much benefit for when I when I talk about concepts with friends um, just by being able to express myself and using them as a as ears to listen which mm. is the same thing as re pressing record and and knowing that you're going to share it but even even not sharing it because you're just able to express yourself you can benefit from hearing yourself say something and then feeling how that resonates with you rather than yeah. just because I guess when we think we're just imagining saying something and when we imagine we like there's there's a lay a bunch of layers that are missed yeah yeah and it's far more abstract like the world of my thoughts is weird and doesn't make sense mm. there is a lot of inconsistency and um, if like if someone had a window into my mind it, it would just be a mess like there there would be It'd be very difficult to sort of discern a signal from the noise of my thoughts mm. whereas when i when i try and put something into words it it um like i'm i'm kind of um there's a, there's a greater impetus to sort of distill what i'm saying to filter out the nonsense and to draw out a sort of consistent theme or thread um, to produce something that's coherent and that sort of forms a kind of story or narrative and I think that humans are very um, sensitive to story and very um, you know very sort of um, I feel like it's stories that help us to navigate the world stories sort of form the map the the map that helps us like navigate the terrain of the world particularly like the social world we have so many assumptions and mm. expectations mm. Um, i think back in the day as well like indigenous cultures used their mythology which was their stories yeah. to share um truth or not not sure whether or not like the actual stories that they say were true but they used it to share deeper messages mm -hmm. that were more relative to about how we should interact with each other or interact with nature yeah and that's something that i'd love to look more into myself like i don't mm. know once but just from what i've heard from talking with like some indigenous people and even friends that talk about it yeah it's, it's really interesting it's the stories essentially yeah sharing and, and sharing deeper knowledge not necessarily what it, the story is about but there's always more information there yeah and the function of those stories as well like what impact they have it's going to, like it doesn't really matter whether or not they're true mm. i think like any story is going to be lit any story is not really a um, accurate representation of reality mm. um but they do have effects and the sto stories that indigenous people told oriented us towards the land and the nature and the environment mm. of the stories of capitalism and the stories of individualism they have consequences they have very real effects there's mm -hmm. this idea that it's it's like stories are fine they can be really useful really powerful tools for learning and understanding and helping us navigate and function um, there's there's a danger that happens when we can't tell the difference between a story and reality 
that makes me wonder what great an impact like movies and TV series have had on us as we've grown up mm. um, because yes we can know that they're fake and creations but they are real interactions that we witness people in and in a similar way um, we know that the stories are fake but we might be learning from those movies uh, a mm. way to interact with people or um, you know the basis of, of what humans are supposed to be doing and mm. the way that we should be interacting like, I've witnessed so much of that deep programming in the younger generations mm -hmm. with how they interact with each other sexually and the, the whole concept of marriage and things like that mm. um, that are so deeply programmed into us because of the ideologic um, American movie industry that has these like romanticisms that mm. are always the same it's their, yeah. they've got their theorem that works it hooks us because we like witnessing that but that's yeah we're also learning a lot all the time because as I said before we're always digesting this information and like yeah our filters can only take so much I guess yeah thanks Walt Disney you yeah. just <laughs> robbed us of this like whole like swath of experiences that are possible in like wow. intimate romantic relationships and just reduced them to this very <laughs> narrow heteronormative monogamous like way of and not to like take away from that that's that's great like if it's a conscious choice that fits with what you're needing and who you are but mm. that's not for everyone mm. yeah <laughs> it makes me think of the um the hero archetype as well mm. this muscly guy who who sort of confronts um villain and then over you know like um defeats them through violence like <laughs> bashes them up basically like that's how you get like status and Rick that's like what it means to be like a, a successful man in, in our society I think that's so so I think I've been very influenced by that um, by that archetype and by that sort of ideal of masculinity that a, that a man is physically strong and aggressive and uses their 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 power and influence to exert control and dominance over the things that they don't like mm. <laughs> and it like it, it kind of indoctrinates us into a very black and white sort of dichotomous view of the world as well good and bad whereas in reality there is no good and bad mm. like good and bad like are products of thought are products of thinking it's totally relative mm. um, absolutely mm. yeah, as we move forwards we move into lightness to then return back to darkness to return into lightness and to return into darkness and when we go through our do through darkness we know that lightness awaits us but we mm. should also remember that when we're in our lightness that darkness awaits us too mm. yeah, and, and never like can that. we stay in one yeah the separate yeah through reality yeah. nice yeah and embracing impermanence as well because we suffer when we get attached mm. when we when we're in the lightness and we cling and they try and make that last forever because it won't mm. one thing we can be certain of is change externally and internally everything's constantly changing yeah all we have to do is look back and see how much how far we've come mm. wherever we were and, and whatever scale we wish to look at and it's all, all that I, I can witness when I look back is constant change mm. to the point that I can't remember what we were like a couple thousand years ago you know, mm. the information is so lack luster that, yeah 
you know, and myself as well. I feel like a whole different person to who I did like two years ago. Mm. Yeah, and, and even when I think back as of myself as a child, I feel like quite a different person. Yeah, I can't even remember really like what I was like essentially because I'm I feel so shifted. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a Buddhist idea that there is no stable and enduring self because the self constantly changes. And when we take that objective perspective, we can see how dramatically our identity has has morphed and evolved. Um, I don't take it for granted that we have that perception or ability though because we're kind of limited in our memory and we, the world is so full of distractions as well that it's easy to fall into this state of delusion that we are a particular person that I am a this or I am a that and that's who I am and that I you know work to kind of protect that and I'm like it's really sensitive to criticism and, um, yeah <laughs> Um, you mentioned Vioma before. Mm. Remind me what existing in the higher realms of mm. so consciousness. I think I do believe it's pronounced Vioma. Vioma, yeah, Vioma. Vioma um, which is a Sanskrit word for in the higher realms of the universe. In the higher realms of the universe. That's the definition that I found on Google. Okay. And <laughs> you, you met, you brought that up in the context of Joe, who was the founder of Love Fest, and you met Joe at a Vioma. Mm-mm. So, which um, is one of the events that you created, almost. Um, so I, um, I met Joe at Jasper, Jasper's house, Jasper um, Valance. He runs mm-hmm. Ecstatic Sunsets because he came to Vioma and, and really enjoyed it and liked the way that I'd put it on. And so mm-hmm. Vioma um, is an event that I started with James, who we who you met on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in twenty, maybe in May twenty eighteen, we had an event up there, up on the same block, about thirty of us. It was a doof. Yeah. Twenty four hour music, and there was substance <laughs> there. Um, didn't sleep much. Um, but then, over that year, um, my journey led me further away from substance use in the recreational sense. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, not completely, and it's still a journey, but um, when I uh, finally sort of found a date that might work for for an event up on Matt's block, um, I went to James and was like, you know, oh, actually, no, I think, I think we'd, through the, in the middle of the year in 2019 or something, gone like, let's just put down a date like let's just get it going let's make it happen and uh, I was like okay hell yeah sick and so we had a meeting and we're like alright looks like like the 6th of December will work the best and so like sweet and then kind of forgot about it for a few months and, and then it was coming up and I shifted in my journey and came back to James and was like what do you reckon about a completely substance free event because mm. I hadn't personally experienced anything like that um, I'd been to maybe one or two cacao dances mm-hmm. that were like, that was the most sober conscious dancing event that I've been to, um, mm. and felt the potency of that felt like the power of dancing, um, in a, in that sober state and how much more benefit I was receiving from it. Mm. So I really love that. And the connection with the people as well in that space, mm-hmm. so a lot, it just felt more ecstatic and, 
um, yeah, I felt a bit more liberated by mm. it, which was really nice. Ooh. Yeah, and so I, I felt like there was a, a need for that sort of event to be like a multi-day event. Mm-hmm. So it was essentially the James sort of wasn't too sure about it. He's like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, maybe if people want a couple beers, like, that's all right. And I was like, no, like, mm. definitely no alcohol. Absolutely not, because I just don't resonate with that at all, and mm. and so I don't want that at any event that I'm involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, people can do that in their own time, or at larger events that I might go to. I'm not going to tell people what to do in that space. And yeah. but yeah, if I'm inviting people to an event that I'm putting on, I, I think I do have that like boundary. More, yeah, yeah, Reference. the boundary. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So put it out there to be a completely substance-free event. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, had a crack at doing my... Oh, James ended up not, not being able to help me out because of something that he was going through. And so I put it on completely by myself mm-hmm. over the process of like two months maybe. Just organized absolutely everything. Workshops, organized a workshop space, um, DJs, sound hire, generator hire, a bit of food as well. And then all the social media stuff leading up to it and trying to stay on top of it. And we ended up with 80 people on the site. Yeah. And it was mostly substance free. It wasn't completely <laughs> substance free. Progress, not perfection. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone really had their minds opened by it. Or mm-hmm. most, a lot of people had their minds opened by it based on what they gave me feedback afterwards. Um, being so grateful and even witnessing beforehand, it was amazingly synchronistic. Like I put the post up, my first post about it. And then next day I looked at Facebook and a sister who I knew in Wollongong was like, I wish there was something that was substance free. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> just so you know, this exists now. And, yeah. and then she came and, and a bunch of other people were super excited to experience something like a doof essentially, but yeah. without the drugs and alcohol and to feel what that baseline is. Yeah, I was really, yeah, a big motivation was to at least make it like a control, you know, like a, in a scientific experiment. This is the yeah. control. This is let's go out and hang out in the bush and listen to psychedelic electronic and also acoustic and do workshops, but not take substances. So at least if you do want to take substances in the future, you know what it's like without it and you know what you're adding to it. You know, like, because, you know, we can have these experiences and a lot of people I see like just taking psychedelics all the time and a thought process, a thought, like a thought form is like, they could be having these really mind opening experiences, but then allocating that to the drug. But if they didn't have the drug there, they could still have the same experience and they don't yeah. know which one is which. And so now they've had this yeah, control experience. I love experience. that. God, that is so well articulated, so well said. I mean, it, it like recalibrates us to a wider range of experience. So we're empowered to make an informed decision about the state of consciousness in which we want to engage with that and connect with people mm. and be in community. I love it. Mm. I love that. Mm. Find our baseline. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I'm so like during five years of absence through twelve steps or the AA world, mm. another twelve step fellowship. It's amazing. I found myself so like, it was great at mm. the start, but then I was it became very limited in that there was a narrow range there was a narrow sort of range of sort of mediums in which we related, like twelve step meetings that like happen in this sort of turn-taking way and it's it's not very sort of naturalistic Mm -hmm. it's not a very naturalistic environment Mm. so i love i I, i'm i've been so grateful to to experience sobriety and feel what my baseline is like in a more naturalistic setting Mm. 
It's been really beautiful. Yeah, it's incredibly surprising to, yeah. to witness the energy that we can tap into just yeah. when we're with the right group of people in the right space. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, anything we do has has a lot more power when we do it in the right set and setting. It's not just substance, mm-hmm. it's our actions and everything, the words. Yeah. This feels like a, a great point to move to a close, and I'm all, I checked the time before because this recording will stop oh. in five minutes at, six, oh. at sixty minutes, and that's also like sixty minutes is like the time that I've trained my like attention and concentration in a therapy session, so that feels like a very natural wow. like um, chunk of time um, for me as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, great! This has been really nice. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I love you, brother. This is uh, awesome. I'd I love, love to do too. this more. This flowed so mm. well. Um, wow. Yeah, really. It, it did sort of add something else to it, that, like add an extra layer in t- of intentionality mm. enriched the interaction, I feel. I don't know if that was your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I'm definitely keen for more conversations like yes. this with you and yes. with others as well. It's inspired yeah. me to want, because, you know, we throw the idea around every now and then with friends like Jeremy, like, should just do a podcast and like because mm-hmm. yeah you've, you've just opened my mind more to this this type of conversation it's so easy the barriers for me have really been internal and psychological mm. sort of getting over my doubt and anxiety that's been the hardest thing to do setting this up is so easy it's mm. all free it's mm. a, it's all ready to do you can do it all with a smartphone um cool yeah yeah at some point i'm keen to get like good quality mics on boom arms and like have them on brackets <laughs> on the walls and turn this oh, into like yeah. a little recording studio that'll be so cool yeah wow yeah and then maybe even trialing like a three-person conversation sometimes yeah exactly like yeah how that shifts it once you feel a bit com- more comfortable in this space yeah it'd be so cool yeah yes. yeah I've, I've really yeah this has been so beneficial it's so mm. lovely yeah thank you yeah, so much man. thanks awesome. for your journey and, and bringing this together and inviting me into this space to be here with you now yeah <laughs> free range minds baby free range Woo! one mind per square meter <laughs> <laughs>